the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 126 of the Severe MMA podcast is here. My name is Sean Sheehan. I'm back with me this week again. It's Jeremy Botter. Graham is away, still in, in Las Vegas, going to be there for another few weeks. Jeremy, how are things? They're good. Um, do you think Graham is going to like stay in America? Because I mean, he is a he is a goddamn hippie after all. He is. Like you know, he might stay here, right? He's melting to death though. He's in like he's in the desert and just he he can't take it at all. He's like a, he's like a skeleton going around the place at the moment. So yeah, 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 I remember those days. I used to I used to live in Las Vegas and I remember Graham uh, when he would come and stay for weeks at a time. It, it wasn't a pretty sight. Yeah, you're in Texas now. Though. I I imagine it's absolutely buying there as well as. Yeah, um, it was it was it was pretty hellacious. But you know, he he did end up looking like a skeleton when the last time I saw him. So I mean, of course, let's be honest, Graham never looks good. No, he just looks he looks terrible altogether. Uh, but yeah, this week we're going to talk about UFC 214, big card coming up. Uh, we're going to look back at Chris Weidman and Kelvin Gastelum. We're going to talk about Brock Lesnar a little bit, a little bit about Cage Legacy as well. I was at it uh, at the weekend and a few more things. Um, so we might as well we might as well get straight into it. UFC up next week, probably the biggest MMA card of the year. Uh, John Jones, Daniel Carmier, Tyron Woodley, Damian Maya, Chris Cyborg against Tanya Avenger. Really, really good card. Um, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on, on the main event, Daniel Carmier against John Jones? A lot of people, I think for a while, was like, we're kind of getting sick of it. It's, you know, it's been talked about so long. The second, the second uh, fight, obviously, between the pair. The first fight was a pretty good fight. But are, are you sick of it? Are you kind of back on the, the whole hype train? Are you, are you looking forward to it? Uh, you know, I, I, I haven't really looked forward and it's been a long time, right? I mean, this is, it feels like it's supposed to have happened for the last, last 10 years. In reality, it's only, you know, a year, a couple of years and it's, they start kicking things into high gear and I was not excited really until I saw that first, that, that promo that the UFC put out. Yeah. Like the three minute movie trailer thing, right? Like. I didn't really care at all until I saw that. And when I saw that, I was like, well, damn it. Let's get this fight. I'm ready. Let's go ahead and skip past this fight card. Let's watch uh, Let's watch this fight because I was excited. And then they, you know, their promo that they cut during UFC on Fox on Saturday night. Um, yes. uh, and so, you know, I'm right back here where I started. I want to see this fight. I, I need Saturday to get here as quickly as possible so I can see it. Yeah, I think I think enough time has passed. I think the fact that Jones was was suspended actually helped him a little bit because it was kind of gone for a while. And you know, it was it, it, Carmier came in and he he obviously beat Gustafson, beat Anthony Johnson twice. And there isn't really anyone else there we want him to see. We we just kind of want to see this this Jones fight now more than anything else. You know, there was talks of him fighting Jimmy Manoa, who's also on the card, and people were kind of like, oh no, that, how could, how can you make that fight happen when you know when John Jones is out there. And I think that's another big part of it. Like, I think this is a lot of people see it as two of the best pound for pound fighters in the world going in there against each other fighting, and it's just the backstory as well. I know, I know, you know, kind of, you've interviewed both guys. This is a this is a real genuine hatred, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, it's no secret that I'm I'm fairly close with Daniel Cormier. I've I've, I've traveled out to California to do stories on him, and I talk to him occasionally. Um, 
weeks in the past that has borrowed video games for me and then never returned them. I just did air quotes when I said borrowed uh, because <laughs> I realized you can't see it. So he's borrowed my video games, you know, so that he can play them during fight week and then he's never returned them and still has them to this day. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, it's, there is nothing fake about, let me assure you, there's nothing fake about what is happening on that television. Daniel Cormier is not, I mean, there are times where he does overact fights. This is not one of those times. Um, you know, what you hear from, from Cormier is kind of maybe a more slightly muted version of the same thing that you hear on screen, just like shaking his head. Why can't this guy get his shit together? Um, so no, I mean, there's no, you know, this is, there's nothing fake about this. There's not going to be any hugging and talking about how they were selling the fight afterwards. This, this is genuine. Yeah, I think like the promo on Saturday night on the broadcast, I thought Jones was kind of trying to act it up a little bit. I think I do think Carmier hates him a lot more, more than Jones does, but I think maybe the thing getting the Jones getting up at the end and kind of walking away, I was like, oh, did, did, like he he knew what he was doing there. Kind of, I don't think it was most a kind of a genuine reaction. He was obviously pissed off and didn't want to be there, but it was a bit weird. Although I think the the promo altogether was was pretty good, just because. I think the narrative has kind of changed a little bit because of the way John Jones is acting, you know, all the time. And I, I was a big proponent of this. I was always talking about it, how like Cormier definitely hates Jones a lot more and always did. And Jones was able to annoy him so easily all the time. But I think that last press conference Jones did was doing that as well. But I think, you know, there was a little bits in that where you could see Carmier kind of getting to him, and at the weekend as well, Carmier didn't seem half as as ruffled as Jones did. I think that's changed a little bit, and people are kind of, I think people are enjoying that. But we we talked on the podcast before about like there being this thing where John Jones has lots of fans, and he he has lots of people that hate him, and I think a lot lot of lots of the people that hate him kind of just gravitate to Daniel Carmier rather than actually being Daniel Carmier fans themselves. Because like when when Jones wasn't there, when Cormier was fighting Anthony Johnson, Gustafson, you didn't really hear as much. And I know that the matchup makes a lot of it. But would you subscribe to that as well, or do you think Jones or uh, Cormier has a big fan base himself as well? No, I mean I think you do get a lot of that because look, DC. I mean, it, it, today is a 2017. You know, in, in the modern sports world, uh, the people who tend to have a lot of fans are, are not guys who are just great athletes who go home and stay quiet and, you know, have a good family life and don't spend a lot of money. Right. Like, I mean, that's not mm -hmm. really, at least in North America, that's not really what we, people don't gravitate towards that. And that's what DC is dude. Like, I mean, this is a guy who's so cheap that, I mean, until recently he was still driving like a 10 year old uh, Ford Prius. I mean, the money on a new car. I mean, Toyota, yeah, like, but yeah. I mean, he is so, and he had a pair of boxing gloves, actually. His coach had to buy him new boxing gloves because he refused to buy new gloves for sparring, right? So, like, that's that's how cheap he has got. People don't really gravitate towards people like that just because, like, I mean, if this were the 1960s or 1950s, Daniel Cormier would be a massive star, but it's not. It's a different, it's a different era. Uh, we tend to graduate toward, gravitate towards the heels and... That's what John Jones is. John Jones is an asshole. John Jones does drugs. John, do I mean, and what's amazing is, is he's actually finally accepted it and just is talking about it publicly. Um, and so people, you know, I think you're going to hear a lot more support for John Jones. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that's natural as well. And I think it's just the fact that 
John Jones beat him as well. And people loved, people always gravitate to the winner as well, as you said. And when he has that sort of personality, I think it's always going to happen. He was on, uh, I think, that terrible Fox, is it called Undisputed, or with Skip Bayless and the other guy today. I don't, and, watch, uh, yeah, I don't watch that. Yeah, but he, I saw a clip of it on, on Twitter and he was he was talking about how he thinks he's already the greatest of all time. I know which, which something you agree with, but it's for him to say something like that. You know, he was always kind of, he always talked about getting that way and he wanted to be there, but now to come out and actually say it outright. And I know he said that a couple of times before, but to say it on fight week when he's coming back, you know, I think, I think that's a big thing as well. And as you said there, he's, he's kind of changing persona and the way he talks and the way he acts is a huge thing uh, as well. Like not, just to sell the fight, but you know the way that himself and Carmi are going to going to actually interact uh, before it. But let's get to the fight itself, I suppose. I, I I was I watched the fight, the first fight between the pair there just before we started, and the, it's interesting. Like watching it live at the time and watching it just afterwards, I thought it was closer than I did just watching it now. Like there's definitely an argument to be made there that Jones won all five rounds. You know he he dominated. The first round, second round was a little bit closer, a little bit of an argument for Cormier there, but the last two rounds he won as well, the third round was, was closer as well. But I thought Jones, he did, you know, he did everything he could. <laughs> or, I'm saying, sorry, Cormier did everything he could to win that fight. I think, like, if you're looking at the fight and you say, how does Cormier win? He probably gets in, in close, gets uh, opportunities to wrestle, gets his dirty boxing off, gets a clinch, and that's how he's going to win. That's he did all of those things in the first fight and he still arguably lost all five rounds. Like John Jones really did beat him, you know, where, you know, where he's good. And it's, it's very tough to see how he's going to do it. Do you, do you think, give him any chance going in here? Do you think, do you see a way for him to win? Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I mean, hasn't improved that much since, I mean, what he does, you know, what he does in the octagon, he already did to a great extent great at what he does by that point uh john jones is just you know john jones is the greatest fighter in the history of the sport um but here's the thing i mean john jones has been out of the cage for a long time and john jones for a lot of that time was not training um uh and so i think i think it's sound kind of insulting to say that you know dc has a chance now because john jones because he has ring rust like that's not what i'm trying to say um i mean i know it kind of sounds like you know i know it sounds that way um but the the truth is like that i mean that is that does to me give cormier a slight advantage um in terms of the advantages that he can get i i think that gives him the advantage and you know i i thought he was going to win the first fight i think he I think I'm not as confident as it was the last time around. I think he's got a chance to win this fight. Whereas if they had just gone straight into a rematch back, uh, back you know, back when the first fight actually happened, um, I probably wouldn't have been confident at all. I, I, you know, I mean, I wouldn't have probably given Daniel Cormier any shot in hell. As it stands right now, I do give him a slight chance to win. I think he's got a chance. But again, you're fighting the greatest fighter in the history of the sport. A guy who is good at literally everything and also who is a giant asshole in the octagon who loves hurting people. Um, you can't deny that. If you remember what he did to Brandon Vera, like the sound that those elbows made landing on Brandon Vera's, like, dude, I was in the K arena that night and I almost threw up. It was the worst sound I've ever heard. Uh, just his face breaking and, and Brandon groaning and 
Like it was the worst sound I've ever heard in my life. That's what, and John Jones takes pleasure in that kind of thing. Um, and so you going up against that, I mean, Daniel Cormier is the second best light heavyweight in the world right now. Uh, he's one of the best pound for pound fighters on the planet. Yeah, I think, um, I, I tend to agree with that. I think DC's biggest chance is that Jones isn't the Jones of old. Uh, like I think watching that fight, I think they were both in their primes right then. And whether they're in their primes now or not, you know, I suppose time will tell. But like, I think that was the be very best Jones we've ever seen. And I think it was the best Cormier we've ever seen too. And Jones really did destroy him. He like he won that fight easily. Like Cormier did have his moments. I had more moments in that fight than probably anyone against Jones. Maybe Gust. I, I think he actually had more moments than Gustafson, but Gustafson won rounds. And you know, the, I think Cormier like. It was kind of every five shots Jones landed, Carmia landed one. You know, Jones did really well with his with his kind of straight lefts, and he kept like he kept putting him in, hitting hitting DC in the face, hitting him in the body, just keeping that going all the time. And DC threw a few uppercuts, and he you know Jones kept coming in with his head low and left that open for an uppercut, and th that's really where he got most of his success. But like if you think about Jones, he didn't land that many front kind of, you know, those oblique kicks or side kicks to the knee. He landed five or six of them maybe in the whole fight. But you think, like, John Jones, a big long guy against a guy who likes to fight in the inside. You think that's what he'd be doing the whole night? He'd be throwing out his jab, he'd be doing that. Not really. He fought, like, he fought an in-game a, a lot of time. The whole, the, the whole fourth and fifth round were basically in the clinch and Cormier couldn't do anything. Jones was landing beautiful elbows all night up through the middle. You know, he took, uh, he took Cormier down a few times. Just a brilliant display. Now, the thing is, coming to this, is Jones the same fighter he was? I suppose we we don't really know. That Ovin Sempru fight wasn't, you know, he wasn't as good as he usually is. But I think the thing about Jones is as well, it's his game planning. I was talking to someone about this at, at the event actually on Saturday night. Like, what makes Jones the best fighter in the world for me is his game planning, is his ability to look at someone and, take all their good things away from them and you know impart all of his good things on them i think that's what makes him special would you agree with that you i, I know you said jones could be you know ring rust could be a thing are we are we looking too much into that or do you think it could be a, fa a big factor well we don't really know do we i mean like i can sit here and say that until i'm fucking blue in the face but like we don't really know for sure what, until he gets in there because we haven't seen him in a long time so i mean really i'm just talking out my ass which is what i usually do yeah. anyway um <clears throat> But it, no, you're not supposed to agree with that. But anyway, I, you know, it's, it's who's to say, but you know, the one thing that we do know is that, you know, you talk about John game planning. Um, so John just it, like a lot of fighters do game plans, but John goes about 10 steps beyond. So John, mm -hmm. I mean, John is a avid, avid watcher of film. I mean, he watches probably more film on his opponent than anybody. I mean, for sure, more than any fighter and probably even more than guys who pretend to be analysts like you or, you know Patrick yeah. Wyman or the real analyst. Um, anyway, they like he watches more film than than you guys do. Like he watches repeatedly. Not only that, he takes notes. You know, and he has a notebook on each opponent that he keeps uh, with their tendencies, things he's seen. And I mean, this can be you know this could be a hundred, hundred fifty pages of stuff that that he and Greg Jackson and Michael Wigglejohn have written down about each opponent. And he studies these notebooks. Um, when I did a story on him, I went out to Albuquerque a, a few years ago uh, I, to do a story on him, and I tried to get him show me one of those notebooks and he looked at me like he was going to kill me so i i they're it's top secret he won't show anybody but i mean that guy not just he doesn't just have a game plan he's got a game plan that branches into 
other game plans depending on what happens in each round. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. He is an incredibly cerebral thinking fighter, um, and that's that is what makes him the greatest of all time. Yeah, like the thing about that is then, if you're looking, will he have the same game plan as the last time, or will he change things up? Like I think watching that fight, I think uh, back, I think. What can Jones do differently to make that a better fight? I don't. Maybe he could keep uh, Carmi at the end of his jab. Maybe he'll fight more his own fight this time. I'm not sure. Like looking at it, there's a lot of things Carmi maybe could do if he can get his wrestling off better. If he can have different looks with the wrestling. If he can, as I said, attack that uh, the kind of center portion when Jones comes in with his head down. Though, you know, those are things Carmi can improve on. Uh, you know, it's tough for Jones. Jones is going to have to probably come in with a whole another game plan. And as you said there, like he, he, uh, he you know, it's it's not just uh, one game plan. It's branches of game plans, and that will probably help him. But yeah, I, I think that's that's an intriguing, you know, intriguing thing going into this. It, like that first fight was at the time it was one of I think one of the most complicated fights we've ever seen in MMA because. There was so much happening in that fight. It was unbelievable. Like DC was coming inside. He was landing. He, he you know, he was landing these jabs. John Jones was countering all the time. He was kicking him. There was takedowns. Like it was, it was like five fights into one fight. You know, and this one I think could be could be pretty similar. With that said, how do you think it'll go? Who's who's gonna win? Um, you know, I in terms of making a prediction, I. I got to pick John Jones. Um, as much as I, I, you know, personally, I would like to see Daniel Cormier win and, and force a third one. I, you really can't pick against John Jones, can you? I mean, it's just it's really hard to do that. Um, and so I, you know, I got to go with John Jones. And and in terms of what he can do differently this time, I mean, I know John Jones was not he was not happy with his performance the last time around, and he didn't get the finish. Yeah, he. I mean, he might have dominated the fight, but he didn't get the finish. And so, you know. He wasn't happy with that, and when John Jones is not happy with his performance, that's that's kind of a scary thing, you know. Uh, that you know when he when he's upset that he didn't finish a guy who he dominated, uh, that's that means he's going to go back to the drawing board, back to his game plan, back to his notebooks, and he's gonna they're gonna work on something else. I, I don't think we're gonna see the same thing. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think Jones will win as well, but I, I'm I'm really looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing if Carmier. Carmia's wrestling, you know, can be improved in this. I think that's really where he needs to go. If Carmia's going to win this fight, he has to take Jones down, maybe even submit him. You know, it's going to be very hard. I, th I think it'll more likely go five rounds. Uh, and I just think, you know, Jones, Jones proved the last day, as I said, he can beat him on the inside. He can beat him where Daniel Carmia is at his best. And if he can do that, you know what can't he do really if as you said there he wasn't happy with his performance if uh, if he can keep it on the outside if he can keep uh you know carmy at the end of his jab stopping coming in it could he could finish him like it, because carmy can't just can't beat him from that range i think i've seen there's a couple of interviews coming up leading up to this and carmy was talking about how he's going to beat him on the feet and things and maybe that's obviously a uh you know kind of a switch up maybe maybe get john jones thinking because he's going to wrestle him which is more likely the case but in that first fight Jones really did destroy him on the feet, and you know I find it very hard unless unless it's a different John Jones, unless John Jones, whatever it is, two and a half years with only one fight, unless that has changed him and he's not the John Jones he was. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I mean, I think that I think that is an edge, but again, I'm talking on my ass. I don't really know. We have no. You'd like to say ring rust is real, but then we've seen time. I mean, Dominic Cruz coming back. We've seen time and time again that maybe it's not. So who knows, dude? Right. Let's move on to Tyron Woodley against Demi Maya. 
to me, this one was not going to take long. I think this is pretty simple. Uh, obviously, Damian Maya, you know, we know, we know what he's going to do. He's going to come in, try to take Woodley down and try to submit him. And if he if he can't take him down, he probably will submit him. You know, he's Tyron Woodley is very good everywhere. <clears throat> but Damian Maya is, you know, extraordinary on the ground. We saw it against Gunnar Nelson. We, you know, we've seen it against guys like Matt Brown, Carlos Condit. Uh, you know, he's really, really good. But taking Tyron Woodley down is, is definitely going to be the problem. Uh, I don't think he can take him down. I think Tyron Woodley is going to, you know, Tyron Woodley in his last two fights, people maybe have got a a weird sense of what he actually is as a fighter. I think he, you know, he barely threw punches in the in the last, in 10 rounds in his two fights against Wanderboy, you know, came out the, the fourth and fifth rounds in, in the two fights and started landing punches. I think against Damian Maya, he won't need to do that. I think his takedown defense is good enough where he can stop Maya's shot. I think he's not worried at all about Maya on the feet. And I think he's going to land a big shot and I think he's going to knock him spark out in the first two rounds what do you think jeremy yeah i'm right there with you man like i mean can i see damian maya taking him down and submitting him in two minutes yes of course i can because that's what damian maya does but i mean it's like you said dude like this guy turn with the now finally seems to know who he actually is not just as a fighter but maybe as a person and as an entertainer uh we've seen him do a lot of stuff outside the cage and you know where he's kind of taken uh authorship of his own career uh and, but inside the cage he's the same way like he's finally figured out the things that he's good at, which is really everything. I mean, you know, he's pretty good at everything. Except, I mean, I wouldn't consider him a top-level jiu-jitsu player. And so, you know, you've got all these tools. You've got yeah, – he punches – he punches very, very hard, has a lot of power, can, you know, has great kicks, great punches. His striking game is just worlds beyond Damian Maya. And his takedown defense is fantastic. So, I mean, I think you're right, dude. I think I think Damian's one chance to win this fight is to get in and scramble like hell to try and take Tyron Willie to the ground and get us back. And I don't think it's gonna happen. I think this one lasts less than a round, honestly. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, like it'd be exciting if it did go to the ground. Uh, like, and it could. Like, I, I'm thinking is like even if Tyron Woodley takes him down, it'll give Maya a shot. Maya just needs a shot. We saw it against Masvidal. You know, Masvidal was winning large portions of that fight, and Maya just needs. You know, he just needs that shot to get it to the ground, and he'll keep you there. You know, if if he gets you to the ground, as you said in the first uh, in the first twenty seconds, two minutes or a minute of the of the round, he's keeping you there. You know, even if someone a guy like Tyron Woodley, it's going to be very hard to, for Tyron Woodley to get back up or to survive if he have if he has his back or something like that. But as you said, take down the fence is just it's just too good. At Tyron Woodley. What what do you think? Just an overall sense of the the welterweight picture before we move on. You know. I have a preview coming out this week. I kind of talked a little bit about George St. Pierre when going away, now coming back again. Do you think GSP is coming down and, and fighting a welterweight again? Is he going to fight Bisping? What's going to happen? No, he's not fighting Bisping. He's going to fight the winner of this fight, uh, likely at Madison Square Garden. That is, that is the plan, Madison Square Garden. Um, and so I do think that – I think you're going to see Tyron Woodley and GSP at Madison Square Garden, which is, you know, truly, if you talk to Tyron Woodley, he'll tell you that's his dream fight, and that's his dream fight in his dream location. Um, and so I think, you know, you're going to see Tyron Woodley come in here, and, and he knows what's at stake. He knows a fight with GSP is coming down the pipe, and, and I think he takes it. Yeah, I still. Yeah, that's probably gonna happen. Uh, GSP seems really sad on this Bisping fight. Does it's weird, but yeah, I think the the kind of wind has been moving towards that. All right, uh, let's move on to Chris Cyborg against Tanya Evinger. Any 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 hope? Tanya Evinger is it just gonna be another Chris Cyborg destruction? I don't think it's gonna be just like another Chris Cyborg. Uh, you know, because 
Tanya Avenger is a bad motherfucker. You know, I mean, like she is, she isn't overwhelmingly good at anything in the sport, but she is tough as nails. Um, or as Jim Ross would say, tough as $2 shoe leather, right? Like she is, uh, you know, some friends and I always joke about how, who we would have on if we had a, a team of people that would help us fight in Waffle House parking lots here in America. I know you don't have, I know you don't have Waffle House. I wish we did. Yeah. So like who would be on that team? And it's like, you know, you want people who might fight a little dirty, who might break the rules and who are tough. Well, Tanya Evinger is on my team until the day I die. Like she, uh, she's super tough, but unfortunately against Chris Cyborg, that's kind of like a curse more than it is a Mm -hmm. blessing. Right. Because yeah, you're tough. Okay. You're going to take some more damage before she puts you away. Um, at some point, the wheels are going to fall off on Chris Cyborg and she's not going to be able to do what she has done for all of her career so far. But this is not that weekend. I, I mean, I think Tanya Evander lasts longer than say any other opponent she would fight at this point. Um, but I don't think she lasts, you know, until the final bell. I think, I think she gets knocked out probably in the second round. Yeah. I think, I think there's a chance it goes to the second or third, maybe even I, as you said, Toughness is what Danya Evinger really is like. She's a much of a striker. Uh, she's a good kind of overhand right and kind of right hook as well that she catch, catches a lot of people with when she's faking takedowns. But it's really takedowns are you know are what her strong point is. She puts you against the fence, kind of you know muscle you to the ground more than anything else. And she's good single and double legs as well. But that that's really her game: clinch and takedowns. Again, Cyborg, that's going to be tough. Uh, watching back some of her all fights, even against someone like Gina Crano, who had a good bit of success actually against Cyborg when she got on top and things. Most of the time, Cyborg just kind of muscled her to the ground. You know, when when she was maybe in a with double underhooks or something like that, and and getting taken down in other fights as well, Cyborg just ended up on top all the time. Uh, Avengers game, as I said, just strength and and, and power in in wrestling, and against Cyborg that's going to be very very tough like cyborg is so good she's unbelievably fast with her hands unbelievably powerful has every shot in the book you know she really is just an unbelievable fighter and i you know i find it very hard to see tanya avenger uh tanya uh, tanya avenger doing well in this book what you think you know the division overall i know you said it there with welterweight as well but this 145 pound division we talk about it in the podcast for myself and gremlins it's it's a bit of a joke like where is this actually going like tanya avenger was the 135 pound champion in in invicta she's been brought up I, I was thinking about it like she's probably the best option that cyborg could fight right now outside of the 135 pound division in the ufc like well, are they just going to keep bringing people up from the 125 pound division Nobody really wants to fight Cyborg, do they? What's going to happen here? No, they're going to. What they're going to keep doing is, I mean, it. They don't need a division. They just need Cyborg, especially while they are funding Invicta. Uh, I mean, you know, I know we don't think about it this way officially, but Invicta has a 145 pound division, and so the UFC has a 145 pound division. Uh, Because as much as you know, Shannon Knapp or anybody else associated with Invicta will try to say that, you know, that they're their division is their division and they're holding on to their people. We all have seen historically that when the UFC wants somebody, including an entire division, they get them. And that's because the UFC pays their salaries. They fund Invicta. So, you know, it's, again, it's not an official thing, but the U I mean, Invicta is a feeding ground is a, is a uh, kind of a feeder promotion for the UFC. And so as long as Cyborg is that 145 pound champion, as long as she's an attraction, they can find people, whether it's Megan Anderson or whether it's Holly Holm uh, or anybody else from Invicta, they can always find people to fight. They don't need a whole division because I, I don't think people 
will care so much about a division as long as this is as long as cyborg is the champ and it is presented as hey watch the most terrifying woman on the history of the planet fight you don't need a whole division it's built around her it is her without her there would be no division so yeah you just keep bringing in people uh from in invictus 145 135 pound divisions and if there's anybody at, at uf at 135 in the UFC, who's not scared of her, then you bring them in. And, you know, honestly, uh, if I'm the UFC, if I'm, if I'm WME IMG, um, I'm talking to Ronda Rousey on a pretty much daily basis, trying to get her back and trying to get her fighting cyborg in December. I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, for Ronda's sake, I hope it doesn't happen. But, you know, if that's, if I were running the company, I would be doing that. How's the movie work coming for Ronda? Is she getting any films or anything? Not really. Yeah, she? no, she's not, but I don't think she gives a shit, man. I mean, what Ronda wants to do is she wants to get married, which she and Travis are getting married next month in Hawaii. And then I, I think that she wants to raise kids and grow a farm, which is really weird to think about when it comes to Ronda Rousey. But that's what that's where her interest lies. She just kind of wants to be left alone, uh, doesn't want to talk about fighting, doesn't want to really do fighting. Yeah, she's probably better off too. That, that last that last year and a half got a bit rough for her, didn't it? Really, it's just yeah, when it's yeah. when it was going well, it was going well. But yeah, yeah, as we said, I, I agree with you on 145 on division. I kind of said it from the start, but I I think they need to stop acting like it's a division and just start acting like it's it's cyborg fighting against people. And I think they have done that a little bit recently by taking the the belt from uh, Jermaine Duran to me. And uh, and basically giving it to Cyborg, although we, we'll see against Tanya Avenger. But Chad, like, I, I suppose the UFC, well, maybe the UFC are not hoping for, but I suppose it'd be good if Tanya Avenger put up a good fight here, even if she won. I think it'd be good. You, know, you could you could put the rematch out or whatever. But yeah, I think that's unlikely. I think it's it's going to be a Cyborg uh, win here. The, just looking at the rest of the card, it's pretty strong. You know, uh, Andrew Feely is coming back. He was supposed to fight. Um, who was he supposed to fight? He's supposed to fight someone good whose name I can't remember. But oh, or yeah, he's some, supposed to or fight just some guy. Some no, he's guy. supposed to fight uh, Du Ho Choi. That was so that would have been good. Korean um, superboy. That would have been good. Brian Ortega against Hinato Maikano should be a good fight. Aljamain Sterling against Hinambro, good as well. Ricardo Lamas against Hick Diaz, Jason Knight, brilliant fights. But last two before we we move on. Um, I know you're big fans of of both Robbie Lawler and Don Cerrone. Cerrone was injured. This fight was supposed to happen on the last uh, card, UFC 213. Cerrone injured. Did you hear anything about that injury? How is it healed up? Do you think he'll be all right coming in here? And who do you fancy? I mean, it's funny how he went from not being able to fight to, like, because he had an injury to suddenly being well enough to fight Ooh. a few weeks later, right? That's kind of weird that that happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what the injury is. Um, I don't know how he's doing. Uh, but in terms of the fight itself, like, how can you not be excited for Donald Cerrone and Robbie Baller? I mean, I, I in my head, the way this plays out is kind of like a, a glorified version of Lawler versus McDonald when, you know, they're both bloody and just staring at each other. Uh, and I'm, I'm writing a piece about that, about how, you know, that fight, the way it made me feel is what I'm hoping this fight makes me feel. Uh, but perhaps I don't want it to make me feel more than that because I don't think I can, I don't think I can handle, my body can handle that. Um, but no that's, pants. Hashtag no, no pants. Hashtag no pants. Hashtag look out. Hashtag watch your eye that you know <laughs> that's kind of vulgar but let me tell like i just <laughs> oh, i'm gonna re i'm gonna regret saying that i know i'm gonna regret saying that but you know what fuck it like, i'm excited for this fight dude I i'm more excited for this fight than i've been for any fight in a real long time um i have been excited for this fight since before this is like a dream fight for me like when i fantasize about fights which doesn't happen often and i think about what i would what would i like to see after of all the thousands of fights I've seen, 
what would I like to see now that I haven't seen? And that is one of the fights I want to see um, for personal and slightly inappropriate reasons. I, I, I won't talk about it much more, but I, I, I'm, I'm excited, Sean. Like I can't, now you got me all hot. I'm, yeah. It's I'm fucking sweating now. I, I'm so excited for this fight. Like got me all hot and bothered. I, I don't think it's going to be that good of a fight. I think Don Cerrone is going to fuck quit you, Sean. <laughs> fuck you. What is wrong with you? I think Don Cerrone is going to quit like he does in every big fight he gets into against anyone good. <laughs> but Cerrone, he does it like he does it so well. He did he did win like ten fights in a row there at one stage. But when, when he's fighting anyone as good as Robbie Lawler, he's going to get hit once. He will go down. Robbie Lawler finish him TKO probably first or second round. I think that's. What's I don't know happen. why you're. I don't know why you're putting this evil on us. I hope somebody <laughs> TKOs you this week. <laughs> that could happen. That definitely could happen. But yeah, no, it, it could be good. But I, I favor Robbie Lawler. It's, it's interesting to see how Robbie Lawler comes back. This is his first fight since he got knocked out in like ten seconds by Tyron Woodley. So yeah, that should be uh, it should be interesting. Yeah, I think like I'm more excited about this fight now than I was when it was initially supposed to happen, like a year ago or whenever that was. Um, but yeah, it, it should be a good fight. Uh, do you think Robbie Lawler wins on like me? Or do you? You better come around. You better come around. It's gonna be a good fight. None of this probably shit. <laughs> it's gonna be a great fight. I'm excited, man. I, in terms of who wins, I, I mean, look, I agree with your analysis. I did the air quotes again around analysis. I, I agree <laughs> with your analysis. I do think that Donald Cerrone is a quitter. Um, and when the going gets hard, Donald Cerrone often gets out. Because uh, yeah. look, I mean, he's in this not because he loves the fight game, but because he loves the money and he loves to spend the money. Uh, and so, you know, when he goes in there, you know, I mean, he's making his flat fee. I believe, I don't think he gets a, a win bonus. So what, what, what reason does he have to not quit, to not take the easy way out? Like if I, dude, if it were me and I were getting paid a flat fee and I went in the first time somebody comes close to punching me, I am shitting my pants and I'm, I'm done. Like throw in the white towel. I'm done. I'm tapping out. Uh, but fighters are, I mean, I'm not made of the same stuff as a lot of these fighters. And I'm not saying I'm made of the same stuff as Donald Cerrone. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but Donald Cerrone, you know, like you said, man, he does I, he does have the tendency to to kind of check out when things get hard. And I and trust me, Robert Lawler is going to make your fucking life hard. So mm -hmm. I think that's going to happen here. I do think Robbie Lawler finishes him. But I hope it, like, is at the very end of the third round uh, just so we can – uh, just so we can see what I've been thinking about seeing for a long time now, Sean. I didn't, I didn't, didn't think you were going to say you're harder than, than Donald Cerrone there, but that's that's kind of what you said. That's not so. exactly what I said. I said I, I'm not really I'm made of, of the, I'm not made of the same stuff. Look, if you don't watch it, I'm going to tell your little buddy Andrew um, <laughs> that you're talking shit, uh, dude. That pic, that picture of you two was just it warmed the heart. It warmed the heart. <laughs> we, we get to that later. We get to that. Don't worry. Okay, good. We uh, better. Uh, the the last fight before we move on. Do you know who Volkan Ozdemir is? No. No. Who is that? Uh, he's a good is fighter. A fighter? <laughs> it is. It sure is. He's fighting Jimmy Manoa uh, at the weekend. He's 40 to beat Mish Sarkin having his last, uh, last fight in Ovan Sempru in his first UFC fight. And you know what? I think he could beat Jimmy Manoa. I, I think he's a good fighter. I think this is going to be a tough back and forth fight. It's always the case with Manoa where it's one shot, one kill. If he hits him once, he could be down, but I think Manoa might, might have got a little bit ahead of himself, might be looking at the title shot, and I think all Volcan might come in here, and I don't know, I was going to say something about Star Trek there, but I realize I know nothing about Star Trek, but he's going to, like, get beamed up to the, to the title good. shot. That's there a good one. That, that's, I mean, really dumb, but also really good. <laughs> uh, is his name Volkan? Because Volkan, Volkan. I, 
I know Volkan. Volkan was a fighter in the, like in Pancrase in the nineties. Um, no, I don't think that's him. I think he might be a little different. bit younger than that. That Volkan. I was gonna say, dude, if Volkan is coming back to fight, like, <laughs> holy shit, like, and nobody, nobody told me about that. No, I don't know who that is, and I'm so I'll just leave the analysis to you. I, Jimmy Manawa scares the shit out of me, mm. uh, kind of in the same way Anthony Johnson does. Uh, not quite as much, obviously, because Anthony Johnson was the bringer of nightmares. But um, I, you know, I love watching Jimmy Manawa fight. So, but in terms of the actual analysis, and yes, I did the air quote again. I'll just, I'll just leave that to you on this one. Who's the bigger quitter, Anthony Johnson or Donald Cerrone? Oh, I don't know if I want to. I can't hear you. Are you? You're breaking up. <laughs> definitely you're breaking Anthony up. Johnson. We should just move on to the next. We should move on to the next question. How, how long until Anthony Johnson comes back from uh, from uh, retirement? I I don't know, but I hope it's not on a night when I'm covering a fight on press row because like his. Next to last fight, the last one that I covered when he screamed at me as he walked by after oh, crushing. Yeah. I after forgot about crushing. That. <laughs> yeah. So the, my the, question the, is even better now. I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Dude, the <laughs> next time I see Anthony Johnson, I hope we're both 80 or 90 years old so <laughs> I can hobble away from him because, yeah, dude, you want to talk about shitting your pants on press row? Like, I wrote a story about Anthony Johnson during fight week and he clearly read it because he knocks out. I don't remember who it was. He knocks the dude out and then walks out and screams at me as he walks by press row. What did he say right. to you? Like, I, I think it was write something now, motherfucker. <laughs> and I kind of blacked out, so I don't really remember. What was the What was the article about? And it was It was around that same time when he um had the whole yoga mat thing at the gym, oh, and so yeah. I kind of wrote how he was a piece of trash, <laughs> uh, for, you know, for the way he acted and for not, and, you know. I wrote a story about it during fight week. I interviewed him and I wrote about his apology, which was not really an apology at all. Uh, kind of him just mocking the girl or the woman. And, yeah. and then he clearly read it because he had something to say to me when he left. And Oh my God, that was embarrassing. Yeah, it was. It was right. Uh, before we get on to last week's UFC card, let me just touch on this cage legacy card. You could take a break here for five minutes. Now, Jeremy, I was at it the weekend down in Cork. You were supposed to be there, but it, it didn't, uh, it didn't work out in the end. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that on another podcast. Yeah, we, we will, yeah. Uh, it, it was a pretty pretty good card. I must say, very well-organized event and all. Huge crowd there. I don't know. It was like, maybe, I don't know exactly, maybe like 900,000 people there. So maybe? The, whole, the whole city, the whole town came out, the huh? Cork Car- is the second biggest city. How dare you? How dare you talk <laughs> about Cork like that? But, yeah, there was a lot of impressive fights. I was impressed with... Uh, with uh, Keith Kavanaugh, Rosa Walsh, especially really impressive. Uh, Jack McGuire from Cork came out and got an unbelievable pop. The cr- a lot of the crowd left after that, so I think they kind of have a, a star in their hands there with, with Jack McGuire. Bring more cards to Cork for him. Um, Stuart Mulpeter as well. A lot of people knowing the Honey Badgers uh, brother came back with one of the best comebacks I've ever seen. Got absolutely destroyed for the first uh, whatever it was round and a half, and, and then won via triangle. Um, other good uh, fights as well. Tom Moore won. Um, uh, Ivan Zadar won as well as his, his other teammate from All Stars, Alejandro, uh, beat Martin Zimbella and Nathan Kelly as well. Lost. Uh, so I suppose the biggest thing from the night was there was a, a cage boxing match, Jeremy, between um, Will Flory, who fights out of SPG, and John Redmond, who fights out of uh, Team Rhino and Malahide Martial Arts. Now, Will Flory was supposed to have an MMA fight, but his opponent pulled out, and John Ridman came in for a boxing match uh, on on two or three days' notice. Uh, obviously, there's you know there's been a lot of things with the IWMWA, which is Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association or something like that. Anyway, you know, anyway, um, 
about you know since the Joe Carvalho debt and things like that, they have been you know trying to up standards and all. And this was this was a little bit weird. I asked the I uh, the representative from the the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association that was there, and they said they didn't, had nothing got to do with this. That it was uh, they were only doing the MMA matches, and this was you know this was separate from them. They weren't there for it. Uh, they left when it was on. I asked the the promoter about it. He said that the two fighters and the, their two coaches okayed it. This is what he told me directly. Now I don't know if this is true or not, but this, I'll tell you what he told me. He told both fighters and both coaches okayed it, and the coaches okayed it on um on a, if only if they had a proper uh, boxing referee. No, and he told me they did. Now I don't know the person who was the referee. I don't know if he's a pop, proper boxing referee or not, but. The fight, there was there was a knockdown, two knockdowns in the first round, which were there weren't huge knockdowns, but there were gloves touching the ground. John Rindman got knocked down; he's done gloves touched the ground. There was no standing eight count, no ten count on either occasion. Uh, the second round, he got knocked down to to the ground. He, his legs buckled, he hit the ground, and there was a standing eight count. Um, and then the fight went on for about ninety more seconds. John Rindman looked okay, and he got he kind of slipped in, got hit with I think with a left hook, and went down. And then the fight was stopped. So, you know. It, it wasn't nothing really bad happened that much to be honest it was apart from those the, the first round was two knockdowns that probably shouldn't have gone on i'm not sure who the referee is he or sorry i'm not sure if the you know if the referee was an actual boxing referee or not but i think this needs to be looked into i think the likes of you know john Kavanaugh, if he can get the footage and the you know uh, andy ryan as well need to come out and you know say something about this how this was actually that happened how two of their fighters were, were allowed to fight like this and and the promotions well look they were they're very open with me i went in and i asked and they answered every question i had and i i told you what they said there but Look, both guys came out of it. Okay, both guys agreed it and all, but um, it was it was an amateur fight, and they said, they told me as well that as long as they had a, a referee who can referee boxing, that's all they needed for an amateur fight, an amateur boxing match. They had sixteen ounce gloves as well, so yeah, that that's kind of the whole story, I suppose. We'll I, I don't know if we'll hear more about it or not, but yeah, that's that's kind of it. But, My God, Sean, I hope nobody from the Texas Athletic Commission or whatever they call themselves is listening to yeah. this right now because if they are then we're going to start seeing that shit here in texas because that sounds like some shit that would happen in texas yeah it was yeah it, it you know it probably shouldn't have happened but here we go hopefully you know hopefully something like that doesn't happen again um you know it, it really shouldn't be you know especially with the the whole thing changing um uh yeah but you know, it was, it, aside from that name, it was, it was a really good event, very well organized. You know, as I said, big crowd there. And uh, I'm told that they're thinking about coming back again in uh, around Christmas. So, you know, uh, very good promotion and, and good setup and everything like that. But um, yeah, Andrew as well, as you said, was there was jujitsu matches, K1 as well in it and stuff. Andrew got submitted with, uh, I believe it was a heel hook in the first round. I was cornering him, made my cornering debut. So uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a bad that's, night. For that's him, right. look. That's why he lost. Like usually, I would expect Andrew to win, but and I was wondering why he lost. But it turns out you were in his corner, um, so that ex that explains it. Okay, I understand yeah, now. It does explain it. Does in fairness, yeah. But um, okay, yeah. Let's let's move on to the UFC on Fox card. I was at the fights in Cork, so I missed almost all of this. Anything from the undercards that was worth watching? That was good. Uh, dude. Well, my. Possibly, I mean, I, and I was hoping you would give me a chance to talk about this. Like my my absolute favorite moment, maybe in all of mixed martial arts history, happened uh, to Rafael Natal. Um, yeah. Just because, like, 
honestly, this dude who was making his debut, and I don't even remember the guy's name because I was kind of half paying attention until he started beating the shit out of Rafael Natal. Um, the guy who was, and you can, you can support Eric his name. Anders. Eric Anders. Yes, Eric Anders. So I'm, I'm not good with names. Let's just put it that way. I'm not good with names. Um, and there's a million dudes in the UFC and all have different names. And I, but I do remember that he played football for Alabama. And so that, you know, and I know that he beat Rafael Natal so bad that Natal actually turned his back and like, as he was trying to scramble away from the beating, ran headfirst into the cage. And dude, <laughs> like, I laughed so hard. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Sean. I haven't, no. Oh my God. I laughed. I rewound it like 10 times. I laughed so hard every time. And I'm laughing now just thinking about it. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. He ran with his head down and like straight into the cage with the top of his head. You've got to watch it. It's classic. I gotta see that. I gotta see. That. I think what your boy Chase Sherman actually watched uh, a good boy, a good bit of that fight. Chase Sherman looked very impressive for a heavyweight, loosening his feet, landing good shots, good defensively. He's been working in uh, with John Jones and the boys out out at uh, Jackson Winklejohn. Looks to improve an awful lot. I know you were kind of tweeting about it. You actually messaged me in the time about it. Were you impressed with him as well? Yeah, real impressed. Uh, Chase Sherman, the gift king. I, mm. you know, dude, there's no way that he's making all those gifts, right? No, I mean, there's no, no way. There's no way. No. Like. There's no way in hell. Um, but regardless, they're entertaining. And, you know, Chase Sherman, I, I for me, Chase Sherman it, it, with him at uh, Jackson Winklejohn is what Travis Brown could have been. I mean, Travis Brown, Same, you know, yeah. if, if, if Travis Brown hadn't, you know, I'm not saying Travis Brown is lazy, but, you know, obviously he's been to like nine different gyms in the last three years, can't seem to stick anywhere for whatever reason. Uh, Chase Sherman is what he could have been. Uh, Shea Sherman is talented. He's big. He's smart. And and yeah, good win for him. Actually, it was a more dominant win than I than I was expecting. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. Yeah, it was. Gabrowski is not the best in the world, and I thought it might be a little bit of a uh, you know an even enough matchup. But Chase Sherman has really improved an awful lot. You know, he was talking to Ariel there on the, on the MMA or was it last week or the week before, <clears throat> and he was saying how. I think he done like $130 in his bank account before one of his UFC fights, you know. So this is a guy who's been living on the breadline, really, you know, hasn't been able to go to places like you know, Jackson Winklejohn to get the right training. I think he lives in Mississippi. So he was able to do that after, you know, I think he did he get a bonus. I think he did. He got 50 grand bonus in his last fight and was able to go out there and do that. And you, you see, you know, people talk about not needing big camps and stuff. And some people don't because they're, you know, because they're good enough. But some people need, you know, they need that training to get to where they're going. You know, as you said, with Travis Brown, he's one of the most, you know, one of the worst trainers in the world now. And he's just gone to absolute, you know, gone to the dog since he left uh, Jackson Winklejohn and, and other gyms he was at. And look at Jay Sherman, how how good that, you know, that gym has done for him. And I think that man could be a t contender in a few years. You know, that heavyweight division, there's absolutely no one in it. Uh, Grabowski is a guy that's, I don't know, is he ranked or he's close to ranking anyway. And I think Jay Sherman will probably get someone ranked after this. But yeah, it was... It was pretty good. Uh, just looking as well, Shane Burgos, Chris Wade won a couple of decisions there. Brian Keller lost, actually. I just saw that. I haven't seen that yet. I got armbarred in the first round. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was a few results from there. Um, Patrick Cummins, John Valente, just a shit fest kind of split Yeah, decision. absolute, absolute mm. shit fest. But it is worth noting that Patrick Cummins' right eye was the worst. It was. I, I, I've never seen anything. Like, I was on the verge of vomit is how, is how bad that was. It was like it was disgusting and I was afraid that it was going to explode or something on screen. And then the USC's deal with Fox would be canceled and they would never get a television deal again. Uh, but we were pants on at the time or were oh, they... dude, I had, not only were my pants on, I had 18 shirts on uh, <laughs> three pairs of shorts and then like a jumper. I like what you call it a jumper there. You're going yeah. to the Irish, uh, the yeah, Irish. Saying, dude, like I'm part Irish. We all know that. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> from the waist down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From the waist down. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Jimmy Rivera as well against uh, Thomas Almeida. This fight kind of went the way I thought it would. John Almeida landed one big shot and knocked him out. He landed one, one big shot and kind of knocked him down. But Rivera won the rest of the fight and went on to win a decision. And Jimmy Rivera is kind of one of these guys that you probably didn't even know who he was before the weekend, did he? But he's no, I didn't know. I, I, like I said, I think I said it last week. Maybe it was on Twitter. Maybe I, I, aren't there like three Jimmy Riveras in the UFC? Or is actually, it all the same Jimmy Rivera? I'm pretty sure I mixed up Jimmy Rivera with someone else last week in the podcast. Even though I do know him and he's a good fighter, but I'm almost certain I mixed him up with someone else. Yeah, dude, you, I can't be expected to keep up with all two thousand fighters that are on the UFC roster. Like, I, there's just, it's impossible. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he, I wouldn't mind seeing him fighting Dominic Cruz next. I think that would actually be a good fight. He's getting close to the, to the bantamweight title picture. I don't think Cruz is getting a, a title shot anytime. Well, he might get a title shot soon, um, especially if TJ's out and there's an interim title or something. But or um, what's his name, Cody? But yeah, very good anyway. Darren Elkins yeah. against Dennis Bermudez. You pro, you called this right. It wasn't it wasn't a great fight, was it? How'd you score it? It was it was pretty close. Um, you know, I actually, hang on, I've got my score. No, I don't have my score because I didn't take, I didn't write down a score for this fight because it was so fucking boring. That's what, like, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, that's I, pretty bad. Dude, it's just like I, just like I said, like, it, there are several dudes who can, you can always count on to have absolutely terrible shit fights. And Darren Elkins is one of those dudes. Wow. Man, he just, he just is. My boy, Darren Elkins. It's, it's, you're too American. You just love Frank Yeager and you want to see him getting his, he's, I don't like hundreds. Shut no, up. I don't. No, I don't like watching Frank Edgar fight. I've seen enough of, of his title fights. Like, I don't I don't need to see it again. Just like, I mean, I'm friends with Uriah Faber. I know Uriah Faber very well. I did not want to see Uriah Faber get his 900 title shot by the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I'm i tired of seeing Frank Edgar get title shots. It's not like it. he's suddenly going to become, like, overcome all the things that have kept him from winning the belt that this, you know, as you get older. That is not how the body works. It is not how science works. So, if Frank no, I don't if Frank Yeager loses to Max Holloway, he'll have set a record for the most lost title shots in a row. Title yeah. fights in a row. Yeah. And then he'll keep it when he gets his next title shot. Yeah, go down straight away and fight Cody for the for the 125. Go down and fight Mighty Mouse probably after that. Didn't then uh in then fight Joanna. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep getting title shots in perpetuity. Yeah, and then yeah. lose all of them. 100%. Darren Elkins for the title shot. Give it to him. That man deserves it. Just putting on you so much. <laughs> putting on clinics, destroying lads left, right, and center. I actually, this was a very, very, very close fight. Um, uh, like Elkins won this on takedowns, really, and I think he deservedly won it in takedowns because the first, the first round, he got a takedown and he took his back and he dominated on his back for maybe a minute where it was it was a very close fight on the feet before that i wouldn't i wouldn't actually give an edge really to anyone there and i think he deserved that in the second round he landed a big kind of slam takedown and didn't do much with it but it was even on the feet as well before that so that can swing it a lot of people were saying oh takedowns don't win rounds and stuff like that but takedowns when they're slams or when you get to the back that's effective grappling so you know if he'd just taken him down fair enough it would have been 50 50 but i think he actually did something with them he he landed some good strikes as well when he got the back in the first round so i'm okay with the decision i would have been okay as well with uh 29 28 uh Bermuda's, yeah but. I, I mean dude look you can people can sit there on twitter and say that takedowns don't went round win rounds but look we know that we yeah, take 
they do win rounds. Mm-hmm. Like you can say, well, the rules don't say, yeah. dude. Do you think these fucking judges know what the rules are? Like 100%. they don't really know. They don't really know. I take if I get a takedown with thirty seconds left in the round, even if I just lay there on my opponent, I'm winning that round. It doesn't matter what happened before that. They, you get a takedown to end the round, and you win the round. That's why yeah. that happens so often. So people, I mean, I know Big John McCarthy absolute legend of the sport you know whatever um and i know who he helped he helped write the rules nobody's fucking paying attention to your rules john mccarthy like they don't know your rules you can say that they don't win around uh but unless we get actual more education they are going to keep winning rounds yeah and i'm not sure they shouldn't to be honest i, I like i i hate when say if someone's dominating around for four and a half minutes and then there's a takedown and the person wins, that's stupid. But if it's even and they get a takedown and they win it, I think that's fair enough. Because like, I think takedowns should mean more. Like I, I think Dominic Cruz argued this uh, a while back. And I, I tend to agree with him. You know, I, takedowns do matter. Like I, I, people talk of saying takedowns are just a transition. Yeah, they are, but there, it's a huge transition. You know, it's it's bigger than any other transition in the game. You know, and I, I do think they matter. You know, a lot, especially if you can dominate in the ground, especially if you can get off effective grappling as well. Uh, they I do. They do, dude. Wrestling is not the dominant sport in MMA because it's a transition to jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Wrestling is the most fucking dominant aspect of mixed martial arts because it is wrestling. I mean, that's, there's a reason why so many people just get takedowns and then don't really fight to change position, advance position. They just kind of stay on top. I mean, look at Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen, Chael Sonnen has made a career out of doing that exact same thing. Well, and talking a bunch of utter fucking nonsense, but like... <laughs> that's his style. That's what he does. Uh, so don't anybody who says that, well, the takedown doesn't win. Right? Yes, it fucking does. It yeah. absolutely does. It always has. It always probably will as well. Speaking of wrestling, Chris Weidman won the main event based on his wrestling and based on his, his size as well. And actually his game planning. I've always thought of Chris Weidman as someone who maybe doesn't have the best game plan and got away with kind of his athleticism and power and strength and stuff. But his game plan was really good against Kelvin Gastelum. He used his size very well. And I think this was the first fight since um, Johnny Hendricks versus Robbie Lawler. Those those couple of fights where hand fighting was the biggest uh, biggest thing in the fight. I thought Weidman just just took away Kelvin Gastelum's jab with his hand fighting. Didn't let him get it off. Like Gastelum maybe landed two lead shots whether it's a hook or a jab in the first in in the whole first round and i think <clears throat> one of them what led to chris weidman getting knocked down and i think it happened because weidman kind of held his guard down stopped hand fighting for a second and gave gaslam that chance but uh other than that he came out in the second round you know kind of did the same thing again kept mixing it up with takedowns as well used his strength gaslam just couldn't close the distance you know against a smaller man he maybe would have been able to get to one side get to the body you know get up high and use that jab to get his uh, straight left off which is, is just such a good shot for him but he was only able to do it really once in the first round came out in the third round again looked like he was kind of changing the you know the pace of it attacked to the body well in in the third round but why even kind of get that got that hand fighting going again got to the fight got the fight to the ground and, and got the submission were you impressed with Weidman? do you think it, are you agree with me that it was gaslam's kind of just too small for that division now and maybe you know maybe we were all wrong saying that he, he isn't too small for it no, nah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think he's too small. I, Chris Weidman's a huge motherfucker. Let's put it that way. Like he's a big dude who, you know, rightly should be fighting at light heavyweight. He's a really big guy. Uh, and so I, I can't really judge it. You know, Gaslin's performance uh, based on fighting Chris Weidman. Um, and, you know, and it's funny because I, I wrote a story last week about Weidman and about how he might 
never be the same Chris Weidman again, uh, you know, because we've seen people like Ronda Rousey, Johnny Hendricks, and others who have been champion and then hit a wall and then just keep going downhill and downhill and downhill and never can recover. Uh, Chris Weidman recovered. Let's just put it that way. This was one of his better performances that I can remember. He looked fantastic. Uh, and his game planning, it's like you said, his game planning looked amazing. What do you think is next for him? I like i think he kind of forgot that he's like one and three in his last four so he's he's talking about i'm back people doubt him you know i think people had reason to doubt him you know his, his performances kind of weren't great you know he got knocked out badly by oil romero <clears throat> he was that fight against musassi wasn't great until obviously it was an unfortunate ending got absolutely destroyed by um by luke rockhold as well like he still has a long way to go back he's calling out the champion bisping like the, I don't think by the time he gets back to title pitcher, I don't think Bisping will be you know even in the sport anymore. So I think I think it's a bit weird. Uh, it was just a, like a weird vibe around that fight at the end. It, like it, it was like he's after you know it, it'd be like if Cormier came now and beat Jones you know after losing to him the first time. It, it was it had that kind of vibe. And I don't I don't know. I just didn't see that. Maybe other people did. Were you the same way? Do you find it a bit weird? Um, I. I... I don't think it was a little bit weird. I mean, I think it's a little bit weird to be that fired up, you know, after getting your first win in three fights or whatever. Like, I I, I mean, I, you you can't go in there and give an, cut an interview talking about how you're the real champ when you just won your first fight in 18 years. Like, that's just, you don't really do that, right? Um, yeah. So that part that part's a little bit strange. But I do think you're right. I think Michael Bisping is probably going to be gone uh, by the time that Weidman gets a shot. Although, I will say, I mean, Stranger things have happened than Chris Weidman stepping up and get it, you know, than somebody getting a title shot uh, after losing three in a row and then winning one. I mean, that's that shit's happened before. Right. Before we move on to the questions, there's rumors circling around this week that a certain Brock Lesnar, the beast, could be back in MMA. I know nothing about it. Do you know anything about it? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I know. Look, I mean, the original source of that rumor is not yeah. exactly trustworthy. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, I know that Brock Lesnar, contrary to what was floated out there on Twitter, has not re-entered the USADA testing pool. Um, however, from from talking to people around him, uh, he does plan on re-entering the USADA pool. But look, I, I I don't think that we can use that as an indication that Brock Lesnar is coming back to fight. I think we can use it as an indication that Brock Lesnar has a contract expiring early next year with WWE. Uh, look, he did this last time. He plays both sides against the other. And that's not to say that Brock won't come back. Um, you know, I mean, if it comes early next year and WME breaks the bank and, and you know, if he has a chance to make 10 or $12 million in one night for a fight, which with the right opponent, you know, it, he would. Um, I mean, I do think you would see Brock Lesnar back because that's double what he makes, you know, with his WWE contract, but he would make it in one night. Um, but at this point, I think it's nothing more than he's setting himself up to be in the best position possible. Now, I do know that the UFC obviously wants Brock Lesnar back. Uh, they are devoid of pay-per-view stars at this point, and they're going to be even more devoid after McGregor and... Um, I'm sorry, noted Liverpool fan Conor McGregor fights. I don't know about that now. Like, could hey, he, he said he was a Ray, a Man United Red. Like, could he be? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he. I think he's a Liverpool fan, and I think he must be treated as such from this point forward, John. Um, I'm, I'm taking him off the opening of this podcast. Like, I just can't yeah. be having that. Like, you can't have that. Like, that's no. just fucking. That's so terrible. My heart. That hurt my heart. It hurt my heart when I saw it. That's worse than anything he's ever said. Like, yeah. How could you that's more that? offensive. That's more yeah, offensive is, than, than anything that he said. And, and 
you know, but he, I think, you know, I mean, he is going to be, I don't think he fights again in the UFC. So they're going to be one more star down. So they're going to have nobody that can break 300,000 pay-per-views. Um, I think they will do everything in their power to get Brock Lesnar. I think they will guarantee him more money than they've ever guaranteed anybody, give him a cut of pay-per-views. And I do believe they're going to try to get him to fight John Jones. I think that is, you know, provide as long as John Jones beats Daniel Cormier, uh, I don't think they're going to have him Brock fight Stipe because that's a terrible fucking idea. They're not going to have him fight Kane. Uh, there's not many heavyweights that he matches up real well against. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see him fight Francis and, you know, imagine that. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I'd, you want to talk about terrible style fights? I mean, now that Roy Nelson's gone to, <laughs> to Bellator, like, they don't have any real good matchups for him. Um, I do think that John Jones is the fight, and I know that John Jones would jump at that fight, and Brock would too. So I think it's just a matter of time. I think – I mean, WWE is going to they, – they also don't want to lose Brock Lesnar because <laughs> um, he is a legitimate – box office attraction for them so it's going to be real interesting uh but anybody who tells you right now that brock lesnar is back in the pool brock lesnar is is leaving it he's dropping the belt at SummerSlam. he's leaving ww like that's all a bunch of bullshit he was not at the ufc offices during international fight week paul Heyman was not with him there that is a bunch of bullshit don't believe it yeah i think the, the biggest thing about this is right brock lesnar is good at two things no, he loves two things, right? Kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> money and being a competitor. He loves those two things. Uh, well, maybe beer as well and other things. Yeah. Uh, Coors Light, not Bud Light. Coors Light. Not Bamian. Uh, but yeah, but like Brock Lesnar is a guy who worked the UFC off the off WWE and got himself a new huge WWE contract and left the UFC behind. And six months later, came back and fought in the UFC. You know, that, that's what Brock Lesnar is. He could be doing all of this just to get a new big contract out of WWE. That's exactly uh, what they're And then he fights in, in the UFC again. So, like, both things are on the table. Both things are likely for me. I, I never thought Brock Lesnar wouldn't be back. I always thought he'd be back. I thought he'd be back sooner, to be honest. But people are saying that who have a, a better grasp of the whole USADA thing, that he has to put six months now uh, in, in the USADA testing pool before he can fight again. No, so, it's got to be – it's not six months. So he's got to – do a four months he's got to do his four months in the use out of testing pool that's standard when you've announced your retirement when you've told them that you retire when you're coming back from and you have to do six, six months of it don't you no he has to no it's, it's four months but he has to finish out his suspension first which is was frozen when he told the ufc earlier this year that he was retired so he's got to, i believe it's five months so he would have to finish that out too so the earliest he could fight if he went back in the pool today would be late december um and that comes straight from usada uh but he's not going to fight in December, so don't get your hopes up. Brock Lesnar, International Fight Week versus John Jones next year. Gonna I mean, I, I could see it, dude. I, it, it's one of those things where if the stars align, you bet your ass that's what the WWE, or that's what the UFC wants. Get some questions. About literally, I think, 15 people asked, why do you hate Kelvin Gaslam so much, and can you expand on it? I cannot so, expand there you on go. it. <laughs> I cannot expand <laughs> I cannot expand on it. And I don't hate the guy. Um, he's just kind of been an asshole to, to people that, that I know in the past uh, that work for the UFC, and I'll just leave it at that. <sighs> okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, let's get into questions. Mr. Podge, at one, Mr. Podge. And this, I like this. Will McGregor's corner be holding up his, his belts when he walks to the ring next month like they do in Boston? I hope Boston? so. Oh, I hope so. Hilarious. It'd be hilarious if he had both, like, you know, even though he's not the featherweight champ. Yeah. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> Just keep yeah. pretending and actually just bring a few more belts along too so that everybody gets mad. Like, I think that'd be, 
That'd be funny. And then yeah. he can also wear a fucking Liverpool shirt too. No, don't do that. We don't want that. <clears throat> we, I can't well, get over this. I can't get over this, Sean. Is he constantly trying to make fly me out of the baby face all the time? Like they, I, that's the only ex- explanation I can think of. Why would you say you you, you support Liverpool? Like that's just know. terrible for his like, career. What kind, of per- what kind of person are you? Like if, I don't get a horrible one. Awful, awful. Uh, Nickel Day asks, "Do you think Cyber could beat anyone in the men's featherweight top 15? Uh no. I don't either. No, I definitely don't. Mr. Podge again, Steve N. Cleveland, Connor Dublin, Wideman, New York. Do you think the UFC need to do a better job of putting fighters in the right city? Yeah, maybe. Also, Mr. Pod or whatever your name is, you need to not ask so many questions and no, do something do something else with your That's life. incorrect. Keep asking loads of questions. I okay. do agree with that though. Uh Kieran asked the underscore uh, the underscore Irish Kieran, who's better on the mic? Chris Weidman's or Floyd Mayweather's father? Oh come on. Jeff Floyd Mayweather his dad is the best. His dad's <laughs> the best. I yeah. love Chris Weidman's father. It's so funny. He's still my boy. Oh my yeah. god. I do too, but it's it's like I love it, but it's also it makes me cringe. It's the most cringy uh, thing ever. Yeah, it it really is. So yeah, really, that's a great question. Yeah, it is. In fairness, uh, Nobler at Nobs eleven. When is Graham back? For fuck's sake! I've been asking myself that for the last two weeks. Like, let's who gives a, who gives a shit? Let's enjoy this time while I'm here and he's not. I mean, that who cares? Maybe he never comes back. Who knows? That, that is true. Niall Harty asks about Kelvin being too small for middleweight. We spoke about that earlier. Johnny Byrne asked the MMA takeover underscore. What's Jeremy's thoughts on Rooney getting a new lease of life at Everton and finishing top four this season? Yeah, let's talk about this, Sean. Two goals, two matches. Yeah. Oh, the same Lukaku. Mat- yeah. You know, you, you shit all over Lukaku. Dude, you said I was going to be no, I, after three weeks. It's dude, three Lukaku's weeks. He's always going to score goals for you, but you're going to see. Uh, when he doesn't get service that he wants, you're gonna see. But he's going he's gonna score goals. I've never denied that he's gonna score. He'll probably score 25 goals for you this year in all competitions. Uh, but he's gonna act like a little fucking petulant baby while he's doing it. So, you know, and he's like a passive aggressive baby too. Like he won't yeah. come out in the media or and shit on Marino because you just don't you don't want to do that. That'd be a bad idea. Um, but you know, you'll see him pouting on the field. I mean, that's he does a lot. Of, he spends a lot of time pouting on the field. What if you could see him? Like, if you actually go to some matches and watch him, because uh, you don't really see the stuff that happens off camera on you know on the broadcast a lot. He spends a lot of time like throwing his arms up in the air, slapping himself on the thigh, pouting. Uh, and I hate that shit. But look, would I still love to have Lukaku? Of course I would. Am I glad to have Rooney? Yes, I am. Fuck you, Sean. Rooney's just terrible. Like two goals, make all right for everything. You goals. know, a lower kind of mid table team like Everton. Two goals. Yeah. Lower mid table team. I mean, I do think you guys are gonna win the league, but if you don't, you better fucking watch your ass because we might finish above you. See, I, I'd be I I think Everton have more chance of finishing above Man United than Man United do win the league. Like Man United badly need to sign a few we badly need Manage and Perisic, like really badly, because Lukaku will start pouting because Pogba's going to be playing too far back if we don't get a, a holding midfielder who can play there like 30 games a year. Michael Carrick just can't. And Martial is great. You want Ross Barkley? No, he's not a holding midfielder, but I take him. You know, 50 million, just $50 million. $50 million. I know. I think he should go. I think he should go to Spurs and give us Eric Dyer, maybe. And then they can play Wanyama, a center defensive yeah. midfielder, and pay him. And, yeah, we'll take Gilfie, and it'd be like, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with the way that looks. 50 million for Sigurdsson is the most insane transfer I've ever seen in my whole life. Sigurdsson's a good player and he brings lots of assists and goals and so, ah, jeez, I don't know. You know, that is the most (laughs) insane transfer ever and it's weird that like we are 
part of it. Like I'm not, I, I'm still not used to that feeling. But no, the most insane fucking thing in in football ever is this fucking Neymar business. Neymar, it's it can happen. but it but it can like it's gonna happen, dude. It's gonna. I mean, because that's a release clause. Like they don't even yeah. have to agree on a fee. That's fucking PSG is like yeah. We'll pay 300 million euro pounds or whatever. Like, sure. And then we'll pay him another 300 million in his contract. It's going to cost 640 million pounds over the life of that deal if they do this. What a fucking, like, I don't even know what to, it kind of makes me sick. Ridiculous. I think it's what you're going to It kind of makes me sick. Oh, God. Like Kyle Walker with what? 54 million. It's just, yeah. it's gone totally. Like, you know, I can understand someone like Pogba, you know, what he was just doing really well for Juventus what 23 24 years of age 90 minutes you can see that or someone like Ronaldo back in there or even someone like Lukaku now who gets lots of goals Suarez or like like a Rooney like a Rooney yeah no but exactly like, like Lukaku or, or sorry um Walker for 54 million what the name of Jesus like it's gone it's gone into and Sigurdsson yeah. Sigurdsson to be worse than that but it's no no I mean it's I, I, he's not worth 50 million but I mean fuck it we've got it let's spend it yeah, that's true. Right, let's move on. Three or four more questions. At Varpality, do you think Dana lets Gaslam go down to welterweight again? No. You, you don't think so? I think he might. Well, uh, wait, okay, let me... The last thing Dana said, did he say that he'll never fight there at welterweight again? Mm, I think so. If he did, yeah. if he, he said that, then yeah, of course, then he's going back to 170. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah, I think he probably will. Uh, Coach Gav KSF asks about WEIMG. Do you think there's the possibility they go like WWF, he says, where less events, better cards, uh, better numbers, and a uh, calendar hitting a different market? What do you think? I know you're, you are you know a lot about WEIMG. Do you think they're going to change things up? Do you think there's going to be less cards, or are they going to keep going the same way? Well, yeah, there's, I mean, I was under the impression there was going to be less cards this year. I think there's actually, what, three less cards this year yeah, in total than there were? Yeah, a couple of this, yeah. Yeah, I, I think next year, like when negotiations, because uh, uh, WME, or, or, I'm sorry, Fox has an exclusive. You can hear my dogs barking again. That's they're okay. really, uh, they're really helpful. Um, here, let's stop for a second and I'll start that over. Be right back. Okay. <laughs> yeah we're keeping this we're just gonna keep rolling we're just gonna keep rolling keep going oh okay i'll, I'll just start talking i'll wait for jeremy to come back um nickel <laughs> 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 yeah if you can go back in time to one ufc fight night what would it be i would go back to ufc dublin where there was those five <clears throat> five irish wins which was like uh what was it three years ago i think this week that was it so here comes Jeremy back, I think, possibly. Yeah, but I'd definitely go back to that one anyway. That would be um that would be cool. Uh Steven Doyle, if if DC right. loses, I've just kept talking, Jeremy. We're we're gonna keep rolling, we're gonna leave that yeah, in. Yeah, you might DC as well loses, just keep that. Yeah. If he loses to Jones again, what's next for him, do you think? Could he move back to heavyweight or even make another run at light heavyweight? I think retirement would be next for him if he loses again. Honestly, I, th I think it could be as well. You know, he's a good career there with uh with Fox and stuff. See, the commentary seems to be going well for him uh, on UFC tonight and things like that. So yeah, I, I think he's probably good as well. He's getting on yeah, he, as well. He's shoving on. He is, and he does. He doesn't have any intention of staying around and fighting forever. I mean, I, I think even if he wins, I think you're looking at one or two more fights. Yeah. True. Uh, all right, one or two more. Simon O'Keefe, how good is Dominic Cruz's commentator? Let's get your take, Jeremy. What's your take on the commentators in, in UFC today? Who do you think is the best commentary team? Anyone bad, anyone terrible? Who do you want out here as useless in commentary? Okay, well, the best commentary team, I believe, would be 
John Anik, Brian Stan, and Dominic Cruz. I love that combo. I love John Gooden also. John Gooden and Dan Hardy also. I think those those are my two favorite sets um, of you know of teams. And so I you know I in, as far as Dominic Cruz goes, I mean I think Dominic Cruz is fantastic. He's got a fantastic mind. Sometimes he's a little bit too snarky, but I mean sometimes you need that on a UFC broadcast, right? Yeah. Uh, but he and Brian Stan together is like magic, man. I could listen to that all the time. I like the way they kind of argue <laughs> and the way he calls him Stan all the time. I like that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, they're they're fantastic together. I think they're wise as well. Like they got rid of Kenny Florian pretty quickly as well. He was just like really bad. I thought he, I think he's okay on the desk and stuff and as a presenter, but as a commentator, commentator he's not great. Um, yeah. I, I don't think uh, the Todd is good with the MMA. He's not great. Um, so they could get someone else for that. But yeah, uh, who else? Who else does it? That's about it, really. I, I, DC isn't that good, but he's okay. I think he, he improves show on show. But uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see Dominic Cruz maybe doing, doing the smaller shows. Um, Stan and Joe Rogan keep doing the doing the bigger shows from now on. But when Joe Rogan goes, I think Cruz and Stan uh, would be good, and then bring someone else in after that. Right? Yeah. Two more. Honestly, honestly, at this point, man, I think Joe Rogan is kind of like the my least favorite of all of them. So really, I still like yeah. a bit of Rogan. I like his. The, the enthusiasm he brings to it. Okay, yeah, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of enthusiasm. Here's the insane question of the week. Are you ready for it? You have to answer right, this now. So. McGregor versus Mayweather is like a tiger versus a great white shark in six feet of water. <laughs> the tiger can swim, and so he's a very slight chance of winning, but shouldn't really stand a chance. If it's on land, the shark wouldn't be able to breed and would get mauled in seconds. By Alan Horn, hashtag Horn. What do you think of that, Jeremy? Would you agree? Is the Tiger a Liverpool fan? Uh, uh, yeah, the Tiger's McGregor, so a Liverpool fan. Okay, so the Great White Sharks obviously going to win that one. Yeah, you know, ninety nine times out of a hundred. So, yeah, I what the fuck is that question? Who asked that? <laughs> Alan Horn. Okay, Alan Horn, uh, hit me up on Twitter. I'm going to follow you. DM me. We need to talk. We need. We need horn. to talk. We need to talk. Uh, Ken Allen is Jose Aldo on his way out of the UFC. All points, all signs are pointing that way. I don't know. Do you have you heard anything about this? No. Well, I mean, as we were recording, the news came out that he actually is already back in training and planning on staying at featherweight. So no, no, That's he's not. Also. Right. Last question. Quick picks on these fights if they happened from Liam Blatt- Blatchford at Liam Blatchford. Romero versus Gustafson. Romero. I think Gustafson. Carmier versus Mojocic. Mojocic. I agree. Ingano against Overeem. Ingano. I agree. Nate against Lawler. Nate Diaz. That's a tough one. Nate Diaz. Mm, yeah. I go Nate as well. Duffy against Chandler. I like that fight. Mm, Duffy. I go Chandler. There. The American yeah. picking the Irish guy. Amer- Irish. I know you American. don't. I know you hate the Irish people. Like yeah, I'm clearly, I'm clearly the more Irish person here. So. You really are. Right, that's it, Jeremy. Thank you very much for uh, for coming out with me again. I believe you'll be on next week again if I can some, find someone better in the meantime. Um, yeah, that was good luck. I mean, I, dude, I know it's hard to find somebody better than me, but you know, good luck. Yeah, indeed. I, I think uh, you want to plug or anything coming out in the next no. week. No, no, I don't. I don't even know what I'm doing. I, like I said, I like I just woke up right before we I overslept this morning. <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing today, um, and so or the rest of this week. So maybe next week. Ask me. Okay, that's good. Right, if you follow Jeremy at Jeremy Botter. Uh, follow me at Sean Sheehan Ba, and find me on Facebook ah. as well. <laughs> Sean Sheehan MMA. Follow at Severe MMA. That's it. Here comes the inspirational quote. We'll see you next week, everyone. It's difficult to follow your dream. It's a tragedy not to. See you next Tuesday.